I mean, when I go play, I'd rather make a bogey, but like try a bank shot or something than just kind of play the same route methodically uh, every round. So, because to me, that's the, the spice of it all. That's how you can skateboard and go back to the same damn place every day and not really get tired of it. And surfing's different because it's different every day. And golf course is the same. But each day you can try something new. And it's with the hickories, the way they run and roll and the way you have to approach things, that, you know, that really sets that piece off. And that's the motivation. Yo, it's Luke, and this is the Golf Homies Podcast by Lion Loft. At LNL, we use the word homie a lot. To us, the meaning is simple. A homie is someone you feel at home with, whether you've just met or been friends for years. Oftentimes, golf is that connector. Holy moly, it's already the last week in December 2020, a few days short of the new year. We thank you to agree this was quite an interesting trip around the sun. Most of all, amidst a pandemic, we feel grateful here at LNL. Grateful for you as supporters, grateful for health, family, and friends, grateful for the outdoors, and grateful for golf as a way to feel most at home. Today, you'll meet someone who fully epitomizes the meaning of gratitude, a pure, genuine, and positive soul if there ever was. His favorite quote is appreciate what you have, quite the words to live by. If you pass him on the street, you'd certainly be greeted with a wave and smiling salutation. The jury is still out if he's ever met a stranger. We originally sat down to record this episode in pre-COVID times back in early February 2020 and stoked to share with you today. Without further ado, please meet our golf homie Clark Willard, where we start his story by asking when he first picked up a golf club. I guess it would be uh, 10th grade in high school. So compared to some a late bloomer, compared to others, uh, early starter, I guess. <laughs> I had some buddies that talked me into it, and that's how I got rolling. Where did you grow up? Uh, so I'm from Jacksonville, North Carolina. So southeastern North Carolina, about uh, 15, 20 minutes from the coast, hour north of Wilmington. It's a good way to put it. It was it was a great time. We basically, uh, if we had any free time, we'd go down to the beach and right around the corner. Um, but we grew up playing soccer and, and sports like that. We had a good time. In probably 10th grade is where I uh, kind of ditched all the team sports, organized sports, and golf and surfing were uh, the two things that I got into. And uh, so that was a big, big changing point as far as the way I spent my free time. What was it like learning how to surf? Like, do you remember your first time? Oh, yeah. Good buddy. Yeah, Jesse, his uncle, uh, would take us out. And he had extra boards. And, I mean, it was in the summer. All you needed was a bathing suit, basically. And uh, we were bumming rides with him. And as we got, everybody started to get driver's license, then it became really accessible. Because about 20, 20-minute drive to the beach, 25 minutes, you couldn't just bicycle there. We weren't right on the coast. Uh, once we got driver's license, then it was game on. Yeah, we were out there uh, nonstop. What was your first car you were whipping around? The Blazer. Yep, '98 uh, Blazer, red. It was sweet. Four door. It was a good time. You could throw anything in there. A whole bunch of people too. <laughs> Grew up uh, working for my dad. 
there uh, who's pepper farm who's the goldfish man so pepper farm distributor and uh cookies bread goldfish and that's why i grew up doing goldfish that i can't can't go wrong there no you can't and it's a great bartering tool <laughs> as you well know everywhere i show up especially if i'm leaving from jacksville i'm packing a whole bunch of goldfish so it's a good way to good way to make friends did you play high school golf yep 10th grade but it's not like i played much i was getting my feet wet and uh 11th grade got a little better 12th grade got to go to i think all the matches or most of the matches and uh, wasn't a superstar but just uh enjoyed it and kept the progression going did it always come pretty natural no i'd say it's uh you know up and down learning curve i wasn't a, a freak athlete by any means but with time everything comes around i always enjoyed uh, the creativity of it such as surfing and skateboarding um, you know, three golfers go up to the same shot. You're likely to see three different shots. That's why I enjoyed it. It's not like an algebra problem. There's a whole lot of right answers. So in Jacksonville, North Carolina, Clark came of age after a childhood of surf, golf, and coastal adventures. It's clear the ocean was home. He had a big choice ahead, the PGA golf management program at NC State or study marine biology at UNCW. Long story short, the guy, one of the guys that was after me to get, you know, play high school golf, he was a year older than I was, he got into the program, and I was all signed up. It was, you know, dedicated to the ocean, basically. I was going to be a marine biologist, go to UNCW, had everything done, all the paperwork, and um, he just, he kept talking to me about it, and I came up and visited, and they took me out, you know, golfing, and it, it was just pretty cool to get into Raleigh, a lot different, bigger city. And so they promised me that you get to go on these internships. And in my head, I'm thinking like, man, like maybe I get to the West Coast. Maybe that's a a quick route over there. Kept talking me into it. And I uh, signed up at the last minute, changed all my plans and packed it up, went to Raleigh, North Carolina. It happened just as whimsical as that. (laughs) What caused that change? I, it's tough to, I don't even know today. Baby's gut instinct, I guess. But as they say, everything happens for a reason. That they Who do. knows? Maybe I was just listening good that day. <laughs> what was it like when you first came to Raleigh? Well, it was, uh, it was wonderful. Again, I think I was equally, uh, just happy. I have a great family, but you know, as you are, as, uh, uh, adolescent or late adolescent, it's exciting to get out of the house. So we we had a good time, and I uh, missing the beach and surfing. We longboarded a lot. So honestly, my golf game was dog shit the first couple years of college, and big part of that is uh, skateboarding practically every day. That was the main focus. As sad as it is, the truth. Even as a you know somewhat of an outlier um, with not as strong of a golf game and. Uh, Spending my free time skateboarding a lot. I still had tons of great friends within the PGM family. And, you know, all the administrators put up with me. And I was just kind of the uh, uh, the surfer dude, and or one of them anyway. So we had a, we had a couple others from down there on the coast. and um, But no, it was great, man. And NC State's great in that fact. Especially the PGM is a real small, tight-knit group within a large university. So you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. Definitely later, as I progressed through the program, started uh, 
playing a lot more golf and finding more enjoyment in it. Anything, you know, you get better at. It's a lot more fun once you get better and seeing progress. So, um, and shoot, I had to, trying to be a golf professional, I had to get it together at some point. So at, uh, the second half, I would say my college stint, I definitely started playing a whole bunch of golf and then transitioned into working at Lonnie. And I was playing a whole bunch at that point. And that's, that was kind of when I really got the itch for golf. And, um, as you start to look, you know, down the line and you see what, you know, ways your free time can kind of come back and pay you back. And golf was the logical answer. I was already in the pipeline and so might as well have a good credible game as you should as a PGA professional that, uh, that all kind of clicked and put some time in and got my game together. And it, uh, it's just been getting sweeter and sweeter ever since. I think on a little side note, I'm lucky, not, nothing against starting the game early. Uh, I don't want to come off that way, but I guess I was fortunate to start real close to my progression, you know, through the PGA stuff. So it was a real motivator to keep pushing and keep pushing. And as I watched some people kind of get tired of the game, my love just kept multiplying for it. And I think it set me up falling in love with the game in my late teens and early twenties set me up for like a lifetime relationship with the game. And so, and I, and I know people establish that from a lot earlier age, but still I'm very grateful that it all kind of panned out the way it did. And golf's one of those things that sometimes you don't know how good it is until you get into it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing for sure. It's a good game. In the PGM program, you do internships uh, where were your internships? Where were your internships at? (laughs) (laughs) We're making it. So I went, uh, for three months to wintergreen in Virginia Okay, and worked on top of a mountain. So I was a flatlander coastal boy. That was a huge change of pace and I loved it. Uh, definitely tough. Some of the fairways are like 25 yards, 30 yards wide in the landing area. And so, that was a different look, <laughs> but, uh, it was great. People were great. And, uh, the beers taste a little sweeter up there. Yeah. They were, I mean, they're always good, but <laughs> we, we definitely had a good time up there. And then next up, uh, would have been Bandon dunes. I went out there for seven months and that was a little longer stint. And that was, uh, that was huge, man. When I got that call, I mean, that was not only going to a big place, but that surf bum kicking in. This was like, this was my ticket. I had punched my ticket. And this was all green lights. Packed up some surfboards and uh, my golf clubs, and off I went. About 3,000 miles from one coast to the other. That was big as a, as a young person. Loved my time out there. All the people were outstanding. Obviously, it's, uh, you can't beat the golf. And as a general adventure and uh surfer you can't beat the nooks and crannies and i love fishing it was it's i mean it's heaven on earth out there coastal oregon is pretty nice how long were you out there for just seven months then um and i guess later we'll get back to it then i went to the outer banks uh again the surf bum thing uh for six months which outer banks north carolina um duckwoods country club just a little semi-private slick though ellis maple design and um 16 out of 18 holes have water and one time a guy snap hooked it off of 18t which doesn't have water on it all the way across number one into the water and he said that there was water on 17 out of 18 holes <laughs> but ellis maple's the guy uh, same guy that designed devil's knob 
um, if I'm not mistaken, okay. which is the wintergreen golf course. So okay. I little, yeah, something you, you wouldn't piece together yeah. usually. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I love quirky golf, so he uh, he does the trick for me. But uh, then uh, I guess I'll just keep rambling. Uh, fast forward, wrapped up with school, stayed in Raleigh for a year at Lonnie Pool or thereabouts. Um, year and change. And then that was wonderful opportunity as well. Really easy transition out of school, staying in the Raleigh area. And then again, that whole gut instinct thing kicked in and I went back to Bandon Dunes. We made a big trip out of it that time. It was like 10 days. My buddy came with me, we camped across and it was, uh, it was a good time. That was how I wound up back at Bandon the second time. Sounds like you like to be outdoors. Yeah, it uh, it's the only place to be, in my opinion. <laughs> How often would you say you camp a year? Well, I mean, as with anything in life, it you know, if we weren't working as much, probably more. But on that regard, we're very blessed to have free time and ample time to go camp. Um, but I don't know. I hope, I hope twenty to thirty nights a year, maybe. I would think so. I don't know. I've never counted, actually. Maybe I'll report back in a year. <laughs> yeah, I would say in 2020 is the something of February. 7th? 8th? 10th. 10th of February. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I bet we've camped uh, seven nights already, and I'm going to camp a few more. Yeah, at least seven, I would say. Anyways. Yeah, so uh, Oregon is definitely a special place. Heavy surfing influence. Uh there's so many nooks and crannies and you look at uh, you know google maps or whatever the rock structures and the way the coastline is formed um the river mouths and jetties there's so many different places and oregon's kind of cool not there's a rule of thumb not always but a lot of the rocks are giant rocks that are up out of the water so it may look kind of crazy but a lot of times it's a sandy bottom or you can at least map out where the rocks are so um you can really access a lot of different sandbars and different angles for the swell to come in, wind angles. Some One of my favorite spots um, there in uh, Oregon is one of the jetties, and there's a, a sweet rip current, you know, goes right out by the jetty. So it's kind of like a free ride, and the waves don't break there really because the current's ripping too hard. And so as a surfer, it's like a conveyor belt and a free ride out. And then you just kind of take your exit when you get past the breakers and swoop in there and get another. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm a lazy surfer. <laughs> uh, some of the superintendents out there are the best people ever. Uh, one of them's a good surfer. One of them's an excellent outdoorsman. And they were able to coach me up and kind of take me under their wing with some outside of work stuff. When you're fishing or surfing, it pays to be in the right spot at the right time. We just had such good days. I mean, such fun days. You know, you, to be able to catch a salmon and cook it that afternoon, I mean, it was it was awesome. And uh, I had a good buddy from outside. He didn't even work at the resort. Um, just lived in town there and just met up with him through surfing and going to the skate park. And he, uh, big-time dirt bike rider, very talented on a dirt bike and just overall hot rider. He was a welder. Uh, I mean, he was like 18. He knew how to weld and fabricate. He was... You know, he's just built that way. We would go like load the dirt bikes in his truck and the surfboards and go, you know, find a spot to surf and then go to the dunes, which is up in uh, Coos Bay, 
half an hour, 45 minutes north, and you can ride dirt bikes all through the sand dunes and trucks and four-wheelers. And um, Man, we would we would string together some awesome days. There's some days I'd go surf in the morning, and then the next day hop up, like two days off, and we'd go snowboard and drive, you know, four hours to Mountain Bachelor. It, build, it builds up for some awesome uh, off days. But I guess while I'm hot, maybe one of the funniest stories is we'd caught a salmon, and Kevin and I, we were going to smoke it, we got it going, and you know, we're cleaning the fish, working with the fish. It'd been marinating, and we got the smoker rolling, and we knew there was a little wave, so we had everything done except for waiting for four or five hours. And so we went and got on the suits and hopped out there, and we paddled out, and we're like, Did we wash our hands? <laughs> Oregon could be a sharky place at times, and we're like sniffing our hands, just reek of soy sauce and salmon meat, and we're like, I don't know. This is this might not be the best thing ever, but we we definitely stuck it out for a few waves, and I think we did call it early. Uh, once that gets in your head, it's hard to get it out. <laughs> you gotta get your shit right on the beach before you go. <laughs> oh, I would be so sketched out, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, being outside is uh, is pretty awesome. Is that what feels like home with golf? Is that a big part of it? or Absolutely. Um, and then also, you know, when I go outdoors, I think a lot. When I'm not golfing, I, it's almost all external. And then golf gives you that uh, awesome twist where it's equally external and internal. And, you know, you're challenging the course and yourself. And, you know, when it's easy, it's easy. And when it's not, it's not. And it makes you deal with yourself. So that's a little different than hiking or you know, even surfing, you know, pretty much completely focused on what's outside of you at that point. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting twist. Mm -hmm. Another interesting twist is, uh, the technology you use to play golf with, you want to elaborate on, uh, a, uh, a passion of yours? Yeah, this, uh, man, this story could get as long as you would ever want it to, but well, we got... in, a, in a nutshell, I play, I play hickory clubs now and it's become a, moderate obsession hobby or hobby obsession yeah I, I work on the clubs i played the clubs kind of field test them you know with our the golf background it was a pretty easy transition to work on the uh hickories from the modern clubs is a lot of the same principles apply and then i also like woodworking in general I'm not great at it but some relative experience was slapping some together <laughs> yeah you gotta do it and do it some more to get better at it you gotta do it <laughs> darn tune <laughs> oh man we'll probably cut that part out i guess maybe but uh but no it's uh so that's been i guess long story short get get a little more serious i've been doing the hickory thing both uh working on clubs and trying to procure clubs which is a whole another interesting piece of it and the people you meet and the stories you hear, um, researching the clubs. And I try not to really alter anything that's really valuable as is. You know, something that's really nice as an original or maybe rare um, or have some historic value. I, would, I try and leave stuff like that alone. So once you get into Hickory Golf, they call a lot of them common clubs, um, which I try and seek out the better playing common clubs, which a lot of folks do. That's not uncommon. There's a lot of people out there that play Hickory Golf that... Uh, work on the clubs themselves so certainly in that regard it's it's nothing new um, but it's new to me and boy as a golfer and as a golf professional 
when I got into it, it was, you know, it's hot and heavy. It's such a mix of the heritage of the game. And at that point, the pro um, not only was an excellent player and play exhibition matches and um, do lessons, but he was also the greenskeeper, the club maker, the ball maker when they're doing the featheries. I mean, this stuff is ultra labor intensive and it was a one man show. So I have a lot of fascination for the history of the golf professional too. And to me that ties in hand in hand. I mean, they were putting these clubs together and now I'm, uh, you know, taking them apart and putting them back together as a club pro a hundred years later or more, a little less in some cases. So to me, that's, that's pretty cool. When you like peel a grip off and you can tell it's original and just to see, and you can like a lot of times smell, it's kind of strange, but a, you can, I think it's a little bit of where it came from, but also whoever was playing it too. Uh, the sweat and the rain that they went through, it's strange. You, I mean, you get kind of like, you know, goosebumps sometimes. You get a weird whiff. I don't know. And that's odd, but eh, it makes it's all sense. parts of it. It's crazy <laughs> to think about, dude. I mean, it's wild uh, to think about. I guess back to your original question, since I left that a while ago, I play Hickory Golf Clubs. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good feeling when you hit it pure. Oh, man. Yeah. At, uh, and I love modern clubs, and I'm fascinated with modern technology, but uh, the feedback you get is obviously much greater um, with just a pretty plain club head like that. And the hickory shafts, they have personalities. It's not playing a you know same set of shafts. You got to kind of learn each one and see what it likes it doesn't like i mean i've had points where i've had you know two mashies in the bag one goes high one goes low one runs one you know stops a little better cut draw different stuff so it's uh i like that part because going back to the surfing and skating thing you know golf give me a lot of freedom to start with with how you can approach shot making and then hickory's is like expanding that a ton for me and it's become much less about score um, I play section events and stuff, and I've even played a couple with hickories, but that's pretty much all I get into heavy duty with scoring. I mean, when I go play, I'd rather make a bogey, but like try a bank shot or something than just kind of play the same route methodically uh, every round. So, because to me, that's the, the spice of it all. That's how you can skateboard and go back to the same damn place every day and not really get tired of it. Surfing's different because it's different every day. And golf course is the same. But each day you can try something new. And it's with the hickories, the way they run and roll and the way you have to approach things, that you know, that really sets that piece off. Yeah. And that's the motivation. What's been your favorite course to play with hickories? Well, I think some of this is gonna be biased because of where I get to play my rounds, but obviously uh, Sand Valley, Mammoth Dunes, and the Sandbox, I mean, particularly is like a hickory training ground. To play the Sandbox with a you know authentic hickory that you really got to catch it to spin it, um, you got to think your way around that place. <laughs> There's some crazy bunkers. How did you uh, get to Sand Valley? Well, I guess so. We're going to uh, go back to the other track and that would be well no it's good it makes sense it does yeah. um so back to the job progression went to bandon again and worked there for about a year and so then here comes a little personal life then i met this uh, beautiful gal and so she was actually from wisconsin and um grew up there and uh long story short um 
well, not really. We can elaborate. It's my, it's my fiance right here. So, uh, so she's from Wisconsin and she met up with the owners, which would be the Kaiser family of both band and, and now sand Valley. And they took a liking to her and sand Valley wasn't going to be a thing for about another year. So they sent her out to band dunes to cross train. And so that's how I met Chelsea. And, uh, well, basically I invited myself at that point, we had uh, started dating and had a fond liking for each other. And to her amazement, the surf bum asked if he could come to Wisconsin. And so that's how I got to Wisconsin and met Chelsea and got to Sand Valley all in one, uh, some answer. So it's all, it's all about the girl in this story. But uh, but she's absolutely worth it. So from the guy that chose every golf job around the ocean and being a surf bum, I moved to Wisconsin for a gal. <laughs> uh, Best decision you ever made. Absolutely. And we're getting married this August. It's going to be a great time. It was absolutely the best decision I've ever made. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even Otto got worked out. That was a, definitely, that was an intense shake over there. I was very fortunate. I got to come from Bandon Dunes, which, you know, Kaiser family, um, a lot of the similar aspects, Lynx golf, uh, windy conditions. So I knew what they were all about coming from Bandon. And I got to see an operation that was... Uh, well-established, well-oiled machine. And then I got to come to a place where we had nine holes built, crazy earth movers and giant six-wheel, you know, full-size Tonka trucks basically running around everywhere and bulldozers everywhere. And we had nine holes for preview play and we had a tin box for a tra uh, trailer, um, storage container for better term. And that was our headquarters and golf shop. So we started with half of a trailer for the golf shop and the other half was like everybody piled on top, which would be five people piled on top of each other trying to get work done on computers with sand in your keyboards. And it was uh, it was wild. And we did preview play that year. So it was just basically uh, nine holes open. I mean, no frills. There was one building with indoor plumbing. And that was like brand new. And But boy, it just kept rolling. So by the end of that first year, 2016 we did preview play and uh they built some lodging and got all 18 done on sand valley and we did preview play on 18 holes mm -hmm. and so the following year um we opened the resort officially and so that was the 18 on sand valley uh shortly after we moved into the big clubhouse and things got official and formal real quick but um i guess where all that started was it was really great opportunity for me to um, and for both of us, really, Chelsea was also heavily involved with the operations and um, super savvy at a lot of things. Great to see something start from the beginning and knowing what it could be like once you get it up and running. Obviously, a long way in the future. It happened. <laughs> yeah. You guys yes, crushed it. it. Absolutely. It, uh, it, hasn't, well, it hasn't slow, slowed down at all, has it? And I, yeah, I'm just a very small piece of the puzzle to make that clear, but... There's so many awesome people working and uh, to make that place run. So many different people. And then all the people that come to see us and that believed in it from the very start and were excited that it was happening. It uh, It's special, man. You take any one piece of the equation out and it, and it doesn't happen, you know. So from all the different employees and all the investors and all the managerial staff and, the you know, 
um, the ownership and their vision. You take any one piece out and it just doesn't work. It's pretty, pretty wild. And you guys are running this incredible operation out of a storage container. At that point, yeah. And well, after a while, you know, the golf shop, we got ourselves a whole trailer. And that was really something. And uh, <laughs> then we got a Caddyshack trailer. So we had Caddy operation the first year when it was preview play. Those are like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a, you know, old timer, but it was, uh, those were the good old days. <laughs> it was wild. We were at the start, we we're dragging coolers up and down the sand dunes, trying to like get in position to meet people at the turn. We'd take their little lunch order when they checked in and stuff. And we'd ride to the local store and go get the sandwiches they ordered. <laughs> we, just, you know, we were making it happen, you know? And there was a handful of us there. And, um, everybody made it happen. And, you know, the ground guys, it's amazing. Their vision, they were growing in new holes and, shaping stuff obviously you know the shapers are there um but the grounds team's hand in hand with them and uh boy when they got started they had to have you know utvs and stuff you couldn't drive a workman around you know you can't take like typical turf equipment around the sand you're not gonna go very well so yeah um you know they they had their work cut out for them but they did an amazing job and growing you know fescue turf it's all fescue with bent grass greens so that's kind of you know something very unique and um, you see that in a handful of places, but in the Midwest, it's it's a uh, it's a feast, man. It's it's really cool. Yeah, describe Sand Valley. What is the geography like around this place? Yeah, well, and so we'll touch on that, and then why it makes such a good uh, proving ground for Hickory Golf Clubs. But um, it's the central sands of Wisconsin. From the last round of glaciers, there was a glacial lake, uh, large, big, huge, and uh, eventually there was like an ice dam on the southern end of it this is in layman's terms this is from a golf pro but uh the ice dam burst more or less and the water rushed out in just a handful of days so if you've ever been to wisconsin you know like the wisconsin dells it's like a sharp you know river gorge pretty much um there's a lot bigger river gorges but still it's pretty abrupt and so that's where the water rushed out and where we are is just north of that by about an hour uh 50 miles 40 miles maybe and um, it's all sand. The sand goes 250 feet, some places more, down into the ground. And it's, I mean, that's what you got. It's the lake bed. You know, so it was all 150 feet underwater between 10 and 15,000 years ago. So, um, over time, they were pretty exposed savannas. And the wind had a lot to do with shaping the undulations where Sand Valley is. And even then, it's not like the whole area is really undulated like that we're surrounded by places like Plainfield and big flats you know so it's kind of strange uh so whatever happened there i don't know i went there but the little nook that we're on got shaped by the wind and i mean we have like 80 foot tall sand dunes out there if you watch the david mcclay kid stuff on youtube you'll hear him talk about it and i mean he says it better than i do and he's got a cooler accent but uh it's uh it, it's just a cool little nook and naturally undulating sandy turf with fescue grass it sets up very linksy it can be very windy um, it's big and open a lot of the fairways are large but they're so fast and firm that it, you really have to think that extra step again goes hand in hand with hickory golf but um, most of the holes surrounded by large sandy savannas and native areas and it's a beautiful setting but, uh, it's easy to feel like you're not in Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's a beautiful state, but it just doesn't feel like you're there when you're surrounded by sand. Right now it's wintertime up there. 
Yeah, we just got some snow up there too, I hear. Poor Chelsea was out there shoveling without me. <laughs> oh, man. I know. Hey, Sorry. Chelsea. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Sorry Chelsea. About Sorry about that shoveling. I'll be home soon. So two, 2016, so four years, five years, four years? Yeah. Since, yeah. Ever since. So approaching, I guess, my fifth season there. Yeah. It's been a whirlwind. That's a long time. Yeah, we've opened uh, three golf courses and the clubhouse, two restaurants, uh, all kinds of lodging, a lot of different lodging options. And then um, looking forward, I don't want to say too much, but they're, you know, still building and expanding and um, there's a lot on the horizon as well. So a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of golf to be played. So right now we're at uh, 54 holes, two 18 hole courses in a 17 par, uh, 17 hole par three course. And then one alternate hole out there. There's a lot of other, other things to do besides just golf in the area. You know, what, what are some of those other things that are going on? Which makes this place so unique. Well, in my personal terms, I don't know if it's endorsed by the town, but the way I look at it, there's five golf courses, four lakes and one stoplight. And in my opinion, those are uh, the right ratios. There's a nice little township that we live in, the town of Rome. Um, definitely a hub of outdoor recreation, both, I mean, all seasons, really. Um, tons of golf and five golf courses. There's an awesome facility right down the street, um, Lake Arrowhead, and that's beautiful, kind of more standard American Parkland style golf. And it's nice. It's a great contrast with the kind of the yin and yang of Parkland golf and then Lynx golf over there at Sand Valley. Um, so we have a lot of fun playing there and sand Valley. I mean, like we were talking earlier, the, just the creativity it takes to play the courses and they can get it so fast and firm. Um, the wind picks up and man, you play the golf course every day and it's always different and just constantly challenging you. And, um, it's really a lot of fun out there. It's a great contrast to golf. Um, there's obviously the lakes of fishing is huge. Um, there's uh, creeks and rivers, Wisconsin rivers, real fun to put a canoe or kayak in. And uh, there's bike trails around. We have hiking trails at Sand Valley, biking trails at Sand Valley. Um, they've got tennis on property there, grass tennis courts. So that's kind of, you know, something a little different. Um, and then out in town, you know, folks ride four wheelers and UTVs, the side by sides. And uh, there's a motocross park right there in town. Um, and a lot of people have, you know, vacation homes or come up for the summer and kind of rent a week at a home and uh, it's just really like a good summertime vibe and then the winter it all flip-flops everybody's ice fishing and riding snowmobiles and it, uh it's it's a great time pretty much year round there's there's always something going on and just a ton of nice folks that live up there all right so at sand valley it's a course that's uh playable with your hickories so this is like dream come true for you absolutely you're in heaven out there sand valley is heaven for you fast firm lets the ball roll designed to let the ball roll um do you have a strategy is there like a club that you like having into a green that's like your go-to scoring club well i'm ashamed that i probably haven't thought about this more but uh in hickory golf, sometimes you got to take what it gives you, and each club can make a lot of different shots for you. Um, but, you know, you're not playing with a set of 14 perfectly spaced like you are today. Uh, so you got to be able to figure it out with, with any given club. But I guess, generally speaking, um, 
Yeah, you gotta love like a mashy niblick in your hand, or a niblick, you know, some of the more lofted clubs. And um, I guess also depends a lot on the the structure of the green, design of the hole, obviously, and and uh, and where that pin's at. Because a lot of times you're banking on them to roll out a little bit. So if you can run it up in there, then you got windows wide open all over the place. You can run kind of whatever you want, that you, whatever your favorite club is. Knock it down or bump and run it up in there. It's good. This past December, we played in the Hickory Pro-Am with you. It was pretty wild. That was my first time playing around, and we went all in. I've, every shot was with a Hickory Golf Club. Didn't really know what to it expect was. going into it. But luckily, you gave us a mini uh, info sesh on the putting green. That was quite the day, and the the course was pretty uh, pretty tough, in my opinion. It was uh, it was the real deal that day. Basically, uh, I guess from the top down, uh, driver still a driver. Then um, there's a brassy and a spoon, which are kind of like modern fairway woods. Um, there's some other clubs in there. Uh, you could have a clique. Um, and then you're kind of working your way into the, the iron, so to speak. So, and there's all kinds of other clubs that can fill in the gap. There's a, you know, driving irons, but most typically you'd have a mid iron, which is a long iron. Um, and then a mashy, uh, maybe like a six iron, seven iron, and then a mashy niblick, maybe eight, nine, and then a niblick, like a pitching wedge pretty much. And then a jigger is a great club. In my opinion, is a, a uh, little bump and run club and you can also hit some m more full shots with it and um, do a lot of things. It's got a real shallow face. You wouldn't want to hit it out of the rough. Don't do that. <laughs> you might whip it. Um, and then obviously a putter and it's kind of cool that they've got mallet styles from back in the day and all kinds of different things that you see coming back around. I guess history repeats itself would be the easiest way to say it. If you ever want to get get a kick out of some stuff, start looking up old golf clubs and watch those designs kind of come back time and time again. And I guess on that note, a couple, one quick thing that I think you should know. Maybe I told you this before, but we've done some, I guess, uh, research. And a lot of people say, you know, the hickories don't spin. And to some degree that you know the old ones specifically that is kind of true and everybody wants to talk about the grooves you know it doesn't have grooves on it. it might have a dot punch face or something like that and we kind of did some numbers on trackman and stuff with hickory versus modern and we were able to get you know pretty fair amount of data i don't have the numbers and stuff on me but um one thing i think is particularly fascinating that might be good for the golfer to know is uh the spin on a clean shot on a hickory iron off of dry fairway. Let's say those are the conditions. If you catch it clean, the the metal to golf ball friction is actually going to do the majority of the spin work for you. And so the numbers aren't that far off between a modern club and a, and a hickory golf club. But the second you start to get a little turf in between the ball and the club face, just a hint heavy, then you're going to sacrifice a lot of spin. And so if you think about grooves like tread on a car tire, they're basically there to shoot debris away. You know, if, if you're driving in rain, it's going to shoot the water out from under the tire, out of the sides. That's why the tread is there. And that allows that tire to grab the road again and get back to that original friction. And so modern grooves are really beneficial because they're moving either those grass blades or the water 
out to the sides so that you can still get that good friction. Or at least this is what I have gathered from it. This is, you know, I'm sure highly debatable. But that is one thing I think is really fascinating. If you hit hickories when it's wet or from the rough, then you're really going to dramatically lose spin rates. So if you're playing hickory golf, this should be beneficial to know. If you're in the fairway and you can strike it crisply, you can expect some spin, even if the grooves are non-existent, if it, even if it's a smooth face iron. Um, so that's good to know. The other piece of this equation is the clubs can be just as hot. Like you can get, we got 1.49 off of my, my hickory brassy, um, smash factor. And it's just a matter of repeating that. And again, obviously the equipment's changed a lot. The area on the hickory where you might get that might be the size of your pinky fingernail, maybe a quarter or a nickel on a modern club. So that's, that's the biggest difference. And that's why people could play so damn good. They just, you know, had it honed in a little better. They had to. We don't have to. We can get away with stuff with modern clubs. So I did want to put that in there. A little science for you. That's good stuff. Yep. Um, speaking of which, I've got some of your hickories in my garage. We need to go sort through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we probably should do that. Uh. Yo, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed getting to know our golf homie, Clark. A fun update. Clark and Chelsea forged their love by getting married in August. It was a beautiful union. I traveled up to Wisconsin to celebrate with them and experience Sand Valley with Clark as a tour guide. If you want to see pictures from the trip, be sure to check out our log for the photographic account. On behalf of everyone here at LNL, we wish you a happy and healthy 2021 with lots of birds and rounds with your golf homies. And as always, keep spreading the good word that golf is home.